In Chapter 7 of the Screenwriter Survival Guide, it's the one you've all been waiting for, How to Get Representation. I sat down with literary manager Quincy Lee to discuss how and when to start looking for representation, how to cultivate a great working relationship with your representatives, and why you should immediately shelf that sample about a 20-something screenwriter living in L.A. Let's face it, Hollywood is a lot, but for many of us, it's the only life we can imagine. I'm Sam Brooks, and my goal with this podcast is to take not-yet-screenwriters from their first homesick night in Los Angeles all the way to the red carpet. Welcome to Screenwriter Survival Guide. Hey guys, before we get started, I just wanted to give a quick disclaimer. If you've listened to this podcast in the past, I'm sure you're aware that I own a website called Get Me an Agent that's designed to help facilitate the communication between writers and agents and managers like Quincy, the guest on today's show. Now, as we discuss in the episode, and as I've discussed in Get Me an Agent ads before, um, it is not a panacea. And as Quincy says in this episode, um, it is very unlikely that somebody uses just the methods that we lay out at GetMeAnAgent.com and successfully finds an agent or manager. There are many other steps that need to go into the process, and uh, we point a lot of these out on Get Me an Agent as well. But I wanted to give that quick disclaimer just to let you know. Today on Screenwriter Survival Guide, I'm sitting down with liter literary manager Quincy Lee to discuss all things representatives. After studying communications at Vanderbilt University, Quincy returned to her home state of California to pursue a career in entertainment. She started off at ICM Partners as an assistant in their TV lit department and then moved over to management, getting her feet wet at Throughline Entertainment before landing at Kaplan Perone, where she was officially promoted to literary manager. She currently manages a host of clients, including singer-songwriter Haley Kiyoko. In, according to Ms. in addition to Miss Kiyoko, Quincy's clients have worked on the likes of HBO's Generation, ABC's Grey's Anatomy, and Paramount Plus's Star Trek Picard. Quincy, welcome to the show. Hi, thanks for having me. Yeah, thank you for coming on. I think finding representation is, it's kind of, I think, the, the default thing people uh, think about. It's probably not the most important thing a writer should be thinking about when coming out to LA, but I think it is the first thing they're thinking about, for better or worse. So I'm excited to kind of dive into that today, that whole thing. Yes, um, I would definitely agree with uh, with all of the above, and you know, excited to help demystify it a little bit uh, for the listeners. <laughs> Wonderful! It's also demystifying to me too, as well. Um, so, <laughs> I always start every episode off in the same place, and I'm very curious to hear from the perspective from the perspective of somebody on the business side of the industry. What's your story? What brought you to Hollywood? Yeah, no, uh, that's a good question. Um, I So I was a communication major at Vanderbilt, and I remember coming into college, I thought I would maybe work in PR, or I didn't really know, but I, I knew sort of the general field of communications uh, was important to me. And I took a class freshman year that was about television, and, and I'd always really, really loved TV, but I think taking that class – 
made me realize that it's a business, right? And I think simultaneously, right. while I was in college, you know, just having a lot of self-growth and self-discovery, I realized sort of how much the lack of seeing people who look like me, you know, Asian people um, mm -hmm. on TV, really sort of impacted how I saw myself uh, in mm. society and, and, you know, and sort of what I thought about myself. And so I think connecting all those thoughts, I realized that, you know, I could be a person who worked in this industry, who wasn't a writer or director, but was mm. somebody who could be instrumental in the process of, you know, helping um, increase representation on TV and sort of diversifying mm. what that landscape looks like. So, yeah, so from there, I started interning, uh, Vandy has a really cool program called Vandy in Hollywood, shout out to mm -hmm. them, where they help place interns for the summer. And so I did that um, for two summers in a row. And then when I came out here, I started working at ICM. And then I thought I wanted to be a development executive uh, mm -hmm. when I was coming into the industry. And I think working in representation at an agency and then at management companies, I realized, you know, like what I was really passionate about was representing people you know and writers and directors right. in particular and and you know they're really sort of the architects of what gets made in this industry and, and sort of mm -hmm. also seeing that you know i don't think there's a lot of diversity in representation um in, in like the field of representation and feeling like i could contribute something unique to that space mm -hmm. um yeah so that sort of led me to where i am right now that's interesting i think it's very interesting you started as you know you wanted to be a development exec and there's kind of a notion that a development exec is almost like um, an opposing force to a writer director. And you're like, no, I want to be, I want to be championing them. Um, I don't necessarily think that development execs have to be an opposing force, but I think there's definitely a, a stigma out there. So I think it's interesting. You kind of made that um, decision that you want to be more directly tied to uh, the talent themselves. Yeah. Um, I think what I realized is I only wanted to be a development exec because I was wanted to buy projects right and I was mm -hmm. like if I'm a development executive I get to decide what gets bought and then that's true to some extent but I think mm -hmm. having more friends who work in development and seeing what they do on the day-to-day -day, you know right. um, they're you know like you're working on a lot of projects that are projects you brought in or projects that mm -hmm. are mandated by wherever you work or you know or projects your bosses want to do and I was like mm -hmm. that's not really a good reason to be a development right. for me just to buy projects right and and I think yeah. working with clients and always I was just telling a friend this the other day but I was like I can always feel confident betting on my clients right and that's that's what sort of carries me through I think the hard moments of this industry is feeling like the people right. I represent are really you know huh. people I want to champion right well I think that's great um I think it's so good to come at things I'm, I'm still trying to find my I think having a mission in whatever you're doing as like a, you know, as a writer or as a, a manager or whatever, um, or something completely outside of the entertainment industry, which does exist technically. Um, yeah. I think having a mission kind of that's greater than yourself is so important. And that's definitely something that I, I think I'm still trying to cultivate because it's not something that comes naturally to me. Um, I, I have a tendency to be pretty selfish, but um, I think it's, it's great that you kind of noticed that and you started from that why um, even before you knew what you wanted to do. Yeah, I think you're totally right. I think that's, you know, having a mission larger than yourself has kind of always been important to me personally. And mm -hmm. I also think uh, 
I also think this industry is really, really hard, right? And if you don't mm-hmm. have, you know, like a really good reason driving you to keep doing it, you know, it's so much easier to do just about any other career right. or any other career is equally as hard, but you get paid way more money. Right, right? Right. So, so, so what sort of keeps you in this industry? It has to be a, a very compelling reason. Otherwise, it's just yeah. really easy to go do something else. Yeah, Absolutely. All right. So I think for many of us working on the talent side of the industry, we kind of only know what uh, reps do in a very general sense, which is just like getting us jobs. But I kind of want to round that picture out a little bit. And like, what does your day to day look like? What are you actually doing on a day to day basis to manage your clients careers? Yeah, you know, especially I think as a manager, that's even more uh, cloudy uh, than an agent. And I'm sure uh, obviously a lot of people ask me, like, what do managers do, especially in in relation to what agents do? And there's a lot of crossover. (laughs) Yeah, there's a lot of crossover between the two jobs. And so it's a good question. Um, But in terms of the day to day, um, yeah, we can get into that more of that later. But in terms of the day to day, you know, it's a lot of emails, it's a lot of phone calls, it's a lot of meetings. Um, I think mm-hmm. we at Kaplan Pro in particular, we, we don't produce, um, you know, okay. as a company, we're different from other management companies in that way. So that's not really part of my job. And so I think because of that, more time is spent, you know, pitching clients and, mm-hmm. um, you know, listening to our clients practice pitch, reading client material, um, you know, covering projects. I cover projects on behalf of the whole company and, and mm-hmm. everyone's clients. And obviously I cover my specific clients and do extra pushes for them and, um, you know, manage their day to day. So, you know, I would just say I spend a lot of time staring at my computer and a lot of time <laughs> on the phone. Um, yeah. Which is, is not very glamorous in a lot of ways, but I think right. what makes representation different than other aspects is just it, the volume is so intense. Right. And so, the busyness mm-hmm. comes in sort of trying to manage the volume, you know, and making sure right. you're doing something for every client every day. And um, while also, you know, doing stuff for the company as a whole and, and sort of, um, you know, hustling on your own and, and figuring out new clients you want to sign. So um, it's just the balance of all those things constantly. Right. And so when you say you're covering projects uh, now, I when I when you say that, I, I think of coverage, like writing coverage. I assume that's not what you're talking about. Um, so what yeah. do you mean? What does that mean? So at an agency, you have covering agents and then you have, you know, usually more senior uh, partners who, who don't okay. cover so much the day to day. And so covering agents at an agency are assigned certain studios where they're basically in charge of knowing exactly what goes on um, at that studio. And if there's a new okay. project or, or a new opportunity there, they're in charge of knowing that. And so not all management companies, but a lot of management companies especially ones, you know, with more than just a handful of people mm-hmm. um, who have the capabilities of doing so, you know, they're also doing coverage. Um, so we assign certain managers to cover certain studios on our end as well. Um, but sometimes you can also just cover specific projects as in if, you know, an executive emailed me needing writers for a project, I would send them ideas on behalf of the group. So gotcha. coverage is really just, you know, um, being the person responsible for getting ideas uh, gotcha. to somebody for a specific project. So you're benefiting on top of them for follow-up. Gotcha. So you're benefiting uh, the company's clients rather than your specific clients in that, in, in regards to a certain project or studio. Uh, yes. Yeah. Although hopefully your clients are, you know, obviously right, right. who you're sending, but yes, but yeah, it is about, yeah. you know, sort of being um, the person that somebody else can go to on behalf of your company. Cool. That's awesome. Um, so I think, 
since writers, directors, and actors kind of usually control the narrative in movies and TV, there have been just very many uh, less than flattering portrayals of representatives in entertainment. Yeah. Um, so now's your chance to kind of flip that script. So like, what so are the funny. things that writers do uh, on a regularly, like the most common things that are just your biggest pet peeves you wish we would stop doing forever? Um, that's a really good question. <laughs> um, that's so funny. Yeah, I think, oh gosh. Um, I think the biggest thing for the writers, the biggest pet peeve that I find for writers is I think a lot of writers think once you get a rep, whether it be an agent or manager, that you you just kind of, they do everything and you stop working right. for yourself, right? And I think that's yeah. the biggest, you know, uh, misconception about that relationship is, mm-hmm. is we, yes, we are always sending subs on your behalf. We're always calling on your behalf. We're, we're working on your behalf always, obviously. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I think really good clients and good writers and directors, they're also cultivating their own relationships, right? This right. industry is so based on relationships for for good and for uh mm-hmm. for not good for better for worse i guess you know yeah. <laughs> and 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 i think great writers just have great personal relationships with a mm-hmm. lot of other writers and they're constantly hustling and they're looking for their own opportunities and that works really in conjunction with what we do you know like if a mm-hmm. writer is best friends with the showrunner um that makes it easier to get them staffed on a show and we'll yeah. we'll be the people who formally submit them or we'll be the people who call the studios and the networks and make sure they're on their radar but when a writer has an amazing relationship with their own you know that only helps their cause Mm -hmm. and sort of um puts them on the top of the pile out of the hundreds of submissions that you know somebody might get for a project so i think that's the biggest misconception sort of Mm -hmm. people who twiddle their thumbs and are like well what am i right right relationships you're working you know like you're control work on and I think one of my old bosses had this say it's not a saying but he said this to me one time where he was like what I like to tell my clients is sort of like once in a while you're going to get yourself for your own job right but Mm -hmm. a really good rep client relationship means that because you you pay your reps you know 10 percent um to your manager right. to your agent on every project and he's like a really good relationship is you would feel comfortable paying me 10 percent on even projects you get yourself because you know that i'm mm-hmm. constantly working for you and i am getting right. you you know the other 10 jobs that come your way gotcha. so, hmm. the relationship is like sometimes you're getting the job yourself sometimes it's just us getting you the job and usually it's a mix of the two but really good relationships mm-hmm. there's constant communication and and discussion and back and forth you know so it doesn't feel like one for you one for me or whatever but that um you guys are you know a team Hmm. yeah that's that's really interesting it seems almost like it seems almost like you're saying like i kind of liken it to like doctors like so many people go to the doctor and if the doctor says there's nothing wrong with them they're like oh i'm fine even if they're getting sick yeah whereas what you really should be doing at the end of the day, the doctor's there to facilitate your health, but at the end of the day, your health is in your hands. And so you should be making sure to uh, be your own um, advocate for your health as well. And I think maybe this is a very similar situation where like, yes, your manager is there to get you jobs, but you also need to be working on your own career as well. Your career is not exclusively in your rep's hands. 
A hundred percent. And I think that's the other pet peeve about writers is writers who don't keep writing. Right. And I think that's, <laughs> that's the other biggest mistake you can make as a writer is, is, you know, you probably have one great script, um, whether it be mm -hmm. a feature or a TV um, sample that gets you representation and then you just sit around and you don't write anything for three years right because right. like then, then, then what are you know your reps have sent your script yeah. to everyone and, and what how do you reactivate you interest in you yeah. right? you want to you want to keep generating ideas you want to keep writing so so totally that's a good um that's a good comparison yeah and I think um for man and I think you know between managers and agents specifically right your manager the job mm -hmm. seems a little more nebulous because your agent is really if you have both your agent is the one you think of as you know submissions mm -hmm. and job getting right. and, and meeting setting right and your man very as much as you need right so what we like to mm -hmm. tell writers is sort of we represent you how you want to be represented right and if you need a manager who's just gonna be on you every day to generate more ideas and to, right. to workshop those ideas you know that can be the role of a manager and if you need a manager who just will get you a job right like you know mm -hmm. we can we can certainly help with that part of it and um you know there's just constant variance in you know how much people need a manager why they need a manager and in the right. job to sort of you know cater to the client's needs gotcha so like in your ideal world What's the like, how often do you like to receive a sample pre 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 provided it's good? So like, obviously not every third day, but like. Um, uh, from an existing client, you mean? Yeah, from an existing client. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't, I mean, it's not, that's kind of a hard question because I, I think it depends mm -hmm. on the level of the writer and sort of, uh -huh. um, you know, like I would say for the younger writers who I'm sure, you know, people listening to the podcast, people are just starting out. Mm -hmm. Um you really, you really only need one great sample, I would say, to sort of get you going. Um, but I always say you should write as many samples as the range of TV or movies that you want to be working mm -hmm. on. So if you want to work on comedies and dramas, you should have a half hour sample, you should have an hour long sample, right? Because I'm not going to be able to get you a job on, um, I don't know, what's a TV show that I'm not going to give you uh, be able to get you a job on Blackish, right? If you mm -hmm have only like a procedural hour long, right? Like that's right. not gonna be the sample for that. So yeah. I would say, you know, you should have as many samples as, as sort of the range you wanna be writing on. Um, yeah. And then in terms of new samples, it, it, you know, I think sometimes you are writing new samples on spec, usually when you wanna write a different sort of style or tone than what mm -hmm. your other samples are, but hopefully you're also getting some momentum and someone is either paying you to write something or um, you're developing it in conjunction with someone else, right? So, so sort of, there's no real answers to how often right. you need to generate a new sample, but I would say when it feels like your old samples are kind of getting stale or it's, you know, been mm -hmm. a year or two since you've written anything, like that's the time to sort of flex your creative muscles again. But all of that should be a conversation with your manager. And right. oh my gosh, another pet peeve is when someone just writes <laughs> something and you have no knowledge of it and they just sort of drop it on your laps, right? Like you're, managers and your agents to some extent yeah. to be in the loop about what you're thinking about writing about right. you know and we can also tell you what makes sense for the marketplace what doesn't you know like which ideas popping to us which ideas we've seen you know eight other very similar samples about so i would yeah. say always loop your team in early when you're thinking about writing new material yeah that's what see that's something super interesting because i would never think of that in a billion years but now that you've said it it sounds so smart obviously like and obviously, I'm, I'm sure from just a personal perspective, too, it's like, well, I'm, I'm not your employee. We're partners. So the fact that you're just dropping this and be like, here, do something with this is not exactly helpful to me. 
And wow, that's super interesting. Yeah, I never. Yeah, really I think. <laughs> yeah, it just doesn't set you up for success. And 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 not to say just in terms of the quality of the writing, but yeah, like sometimes mm-hmm. you know the marketplace is really looking for I don't know like joke dense half hours, right? And then if you right. drop a dramedy in my lap then it's like, okay, yeah, I'll still obviously service it and I'll, you know, right. hopefully the writing's good and you're, I'll be passionate about it. But if you had three other ideas that were very joke heavy half hours mm-hmm. and you wrote this one instead, you know, that just doesn't service you as well as um, it right. could at the moment. Good advice. All right. So let's pivot now a little bit to how a young writer can best go about finding representation and get, you know, getting their, their first reps. Um, yeah. I think- kind of the the juice of why most people are listening to this, if I had to guess. Um, so I think a lot of writers come to LA immediately and start looking for representation the moment they touch down. Um, do you think that's a good use of time or should writers wait um, until they've been in the... I don't think there's a right answer per se because everyone is so um, different from each other. I will say, I think when reps are most able to service you is probably if you work want to work in tv after your first staffing job you know where you have a little bit of momentum but obviously you need somebody to get you to the next level um Mm -hmm. or on the feature side i would say once you have just an amazing feature spec that you feel like you can sell the market or is getting some attention on you know whether it be the blacklist or something or similar competitions of sorts i think that's sort of when reps are you know can be most activated in your career mm-hmm. early uh, but there's really no right answer you know I represent people who've never been staffed or have never sold a feature I represent mm-hmm. people who you know are obviously well into those careers too um, so there's no right answer per se um, but I think the most important thing you can do is it's find a rep who's passionate about you you know and mm-hmm. um, I would not sign with a rep just to have a rep you know I don't think that right. ends up helping you especially on the management end where you know, obviously in managers, we don't try to poach clients from other managers. If, if mm-hmm. people managers, you know, they're very, we're very hands off. Obviously we don't um, mm-hmm. consider those clients because, you know, that's just how, sort of how managers work. So if you have a manager you don't love, um, you're not going to get attention from other managers, you know, because they, they know you have a manager. Right. So, so I think right. it's about no, just finding who's most passionate about you and, and, um, and yeah. the, that, you know, passion always wins out. I, service yeah i mean it sounds like definitely the relationship is key there and develop like i mean honestly it's with anything like and that seems to be the punchline people listening to this are probably sick of me saying this because it seems to be the punchline of every episode i do is like oh it comes down to the relationships um but it really does seem to be key like i don't think you're not going to have a good relationship with your agent or manager if you you know if you just find the first one that agrees to say yes and yeah you um, yes, I think that's totally right. And I think especially for writers of color, you know, obviously that's a big mm-hmm. focus for me and, and something I care a lot about. But I yeah. think a lot of times those people, just because they don't know as many people um, who work in the industry to begin with, right? I think a lot of those writers glom mm-hmm. on to the first person to show interest in them. And, and that um, is a bummer because then you could be missing out on some other people, you know, versus, right. you know, I think 
traditionally, obviously, um, you know, writers who are white, you know, probably have friends or family working in the industry, right, and sort of can get insider mm-hmm. access to, you know, some of the larger agencies or management companies. And so just, you know, for, for those writers in particular, I think um, it, the advice is especially pertinent for them. Right. I mean, I think the other thing with that is you can you can imagine a lot of or not a lot. Most most representatives are amazing people. Not trying to say that, but I think there's certainly some people who probably will try to just to check a box and say, look, I have all these diverse writers. So they don't really care about you either. And they just want to show their diverse roster that they're not all hiring uh, straight white guys. Yeah, 100 percent. So um, where are you? How does you touched on this a little bit earlier? Where are you finding most of your clients? Are these through, are are people coming to you? Are you reaching out and looking for talent? How is is it 50-50? How's the split of that look like? Uh, Yeah, no, it's always a mix. Um, I would say, obviously, a lot of people are incoming from whether it be friends in the industry, Mm -hmm. other writers, clients, um, other representatives, you know, agents and lawyers and that sort. Mm-hmm. Um, or, or executives, you know, a lot of it, if it's incoming, it's from one of those sources. Um, and then in terms of, but I also try to, I think, be active in, in terms of just keeping my eyes out on people, you know, mm-hmm. writers I love, um, writers who've worked on cool things, or, you know, if I love a movie or love a show, you know, who, who are people who are writing on those shows, gotcha. or just voices. I, I'm always on Twitter, and I think there are people I love following on Twitter, right? Mm-hmm. And that usually translates to um i've seen a lot of those grow into (laughs) yeah i've seen a lot of twitter followers grow into like karen g and they're two of my favorite twitter follows and they're like very successful uh you know writers in the industry now which is awesome um so so sometimes you know it is it is i try to do outreach especially like i said because i think underrepresented communities those Mm -hmm. using aren't the people that get sent to you from other people in the industry those are people you have to go out and find Mm -hmm. um so it is a mix but i would say for people out there wondering how to be connected to a rep um a lot of it is through referral that's usually the best way in um not just because we're busy and we can't obviously read every script that comes our way but also for legal reasons you know you you want to be protected and and um we don't accept, you know, unsolicited submissions. Um, mm-hmm. I would say the industry is in general, but but most companies don't. Um, or you have to sign some sort of uh, waiver before you right. submit something unsolicited, just because um, you know you don't want to open yourself up to any lawsuits or anything like that. If yeah. if you're just accepting material from anybody, right? Yeah, that makes complete sense. So, do you guys sign? So I want to kind of. I know a lot of writers. I know I went through a phase like this. I know a lot of writers kind of do that. Um, uh, reaching out blind. And I kind of knew beforehand, I was like, I don't think this is going to work, but I want to do it because it's something I can do. And I want to check it off my list. And I think that's where a lot of writers come from. Mm -hmm. But do you guys sign any clients? Do you know anyone who signs clients that way? Or is that basically? It's not impossible. It's not impossible is what I would say. Um, But you know what, I think, I think you just want to be really charismatic if you do it that way you know like I think I get sent a lot of like unsolicited inquiries on email right and most of them just get deleted um and if something catches my eye I'll ask somebody to fill out a form um so I can read their script but I would say the ones that catch my eyes if ever is somebody who um just like has a very compelling email or story to tell and is able to sort of pitch themselves in that way or somebody sort of with 
credits that um you know like hey i've worked on this show i've worked on this show or or you know whatever short so i think like those you it's not impossible um i think a couple of our clients have come through that way as a company um and i know other people have found clients that way but i think like the odds are just not in your favor to do it that way so if you also just have a limited amount of time it's better Mm -hmm. use of your time to just go network and and you know talk to other people and and figure out who is, um, you know, reading for new clients that way than it is mm-hmm. to, you know, spend hours on email sending, uh, you know, right. solicited emails to somebody. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So let's say, you know, you get referred someone and you like their script. So like, what are you looking for when you're considering whether to sign a new client? I know you're uh, you're part of a firm, so you or an agent. Uh, mm-hmm. What do you guys call them? Uh, firms or agencies? a management company? Yeah, I'm the Man- management company. company. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, so you're part of a, a company, so you probably have some. You know, your company. I don't know if your company has to sign off on new clients or anything like that. But uh, what what are you personally looking for when you're signing a new company, uh, <laughs> a new client, um, in terms of personality, um, writing style? Like, are there any? I, I don't mean like, what's your favorite genre? I mean more like, what are some takeaways people can have of like how they should be considering uh, writing, you know, writing when writing their samples, when making connections with people, et cetera, that kind of thing. Yes. Um, no, that's a really good question. I think, I actually think it's a little bit different for features and um, than it is for TV. I think TV samples, um, my favorite and the ones who stood out most to me on the TV sample front is I would say if I ripped the cover page off your sample, I would know you wrote it. You know, that's sort of the mm-hmm. easiest way to describe it. But I think so something that really stands out in a sense, but also feels representative of you. And that doesn't mean it has to be autobiographical in a sense. Like you don't okay. have to literally write about yourself. But I think, you know, if you love um writing genre right or you uh, but you specifically love writing genre stories about like found families let's say right like Mm -hmm. that's what your sample should be like I should be able to learn something about you as Mm -hmm. a writer through your sample and obviously as you sort of you know you don't have to always write about yourself especially as your career starts growing but I think Mm -hmm. for young writers who are trying to get that first job in a writer's room your sample is your resume because you don't have a resume of writing credits otherwise right or at least you know right. professional tv writing credits otherwise so that's what you have to say for yourself is should be found mm-hmm. in your sample right so i think really great samples i can i feel like that i know the writer after having read the mm-hmm. sample right so um that's what i would say on that front and i will also say my least favorite genre of samples uh for half hour writers is what i like to call young people in la who don't have their shit together and (laughs) um and if you're a writer out there and you have a sample like this i let me just tell you every writer out there has a sample like this and i can almost guarantee that that's not the sample that's going to stand out to me um and i would also say it's um for for uh, in the category of samples i don't love is i would not write about the entertainment industry mm-hmm. uh yeah. samples and i also think good samples you know you kind of want to learn something new but i also think the suspension of disbelief is basically impossible if you're writing about this industry because mm-hmm. every person reading the sample knows about the industry and so right. there are a lot it's just, you if you're a new writer <laughs> 
yeah, no, exactly. So it's just so easy to nitpick at those samples and that's not what you want to obviously be doing. Um, so, you know, I would, um, stay away from that if you're, if you're writing a TV sample, um, you know, on that front and then, and then feature samples, I would say it doesn't, I think it's a little different. I think you just want to write a feature that has the potential to sell. Right. Um, and so, because that's just really how you get going, obviously, on the feature side. Uh, and just mm-hmm. something that's, you know, high concept and really unique and, and feels fresh. And, and sort mm-hmm. of if I were to just read a log line of that feature, it would feel like something I haven't read before and would want to keep reading. So so I think, yeah, a little different depending on what you're writing. But um, mm-hmm. that's what I would say for the most part. And also, you know, if you're a playwright, if you are an essayist, you know, like you can mm-hmm. also demonstrate your writing skills really well in those forms too so don't be afraid to sort of branch out um i think it's always good to have a pilot or feature obviously Mm -hmm. to show people you can write that structure but i also love reading plays we love reading short stories Mm -hmm. you know there are a lot of different forms of writing in which you can cut your teeth uh as well yeah i i will say i totally agree with you even just like why i don't read a ton of samples i do a little bit of coverage at my day job but like um i am i just i can't I, i just can't do it with the um uh stories about young people young writers like just stories of young writers living in LA trying to break into the industry like that's why it took me so long and this show ended up being amazing but hacks it took me so long to watch hacks uh yeah I just I just was like again like again I am only a couple episodes into hacks because of that very reason I'm very very slowly working through it and I know Everyone says it's amazing, and I'm sure I will think that in like four episodes. But um, yes, right. I, I totally agree with you. Yeah, yeah. I will say I usually don't agree. Usually, when people say a show is amazing, I will watch it and I'll be like, "Yeah, that's good. It's not for me." But hacks is hacks. But I, I just I think with TV, I just really like to sit with people, like sit with characters I want to stay with. Like I think I, I like yeah. the old style of TV, you know, the, the Office, Parks and Rec, that kind of style. Mm-hmm. And hacks just definitely have that feeling. I mean, like these are just two people I want to watch hang out for a long time um yes i'm also very uh i'm very in the i feel like i'm very forgiving in tv if i if i just want to be in the world of the characters um for sure i'm also yeah very similar to you the screenwriter survival guide is brought to you by getmeanagent.com this is a different sort of ad no money is exchanging hands here why Because Get Me An Agent is my company. Whoa. For less than $20 a month, Get Me An Agent is the fast pass to hundreds of Hollywood-lit agents and their contact information. Plus 24-7 support from actual industry professionals via live chat and email, free email templates to help you reach out, and so much more. Want personalized help? Send us your script and we'll match you with five agents and five managers who've worked on similar projects to yours. I'm super excited to be offering listeners of Screenwriter Survival Guide a very special deal. You'll get one free month plus half off your subscription forever when you use the discount code SURVIVE at checkout. That's S-U-R-V-I-V-E. Now, I'm going to level with you. As of recording, I don't personally have representation. I say this to clarify that Get Me an Agent is by no means a panacea. As anyone who works in the industry will tell you, there are no shortcuts to the hard work of becoming an excellent writer and building your Hollywood network. What Get Me an Agent provides is a way to connect young screenwriters 
with their most important connection in the business, their reps. And we've already connected many of our customers with agents. So try it out risk-free today. Visit getmeanagent.com and try a free month with no commitment. And when you're ready to take the leap, use the discount code SURVIVE to get half off your plan forever. All right, guys. Now, back to the show. Everyone talks about making your script sellable. Um, specifically, I think talking, well, no, for both, actually. But you also want it to have some life and spirit and kind of, like you were saying, like, represent the writer. Um, so how much should writers be balancing the need to write scripts that sell with what, like, they actually want to write? Um, yeah, no, it- these are all really good questions. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, I would say you should always write about what you're passionate about. If you're not passionate about what you're writing about, then I don't think it's going to be a good script, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, it's just, that's so, it's just so hard to write a yeah amazingly about something you don't care about you know just like for me it's hard to I, I can't represent clients I don't care about because I think it would be right. so hard to to constantly be pitching and selling a client I didn't care yeah. about right so yeah, yeah. um yeah so I think always be writing what you care about um but at the same time I think in terms of like saleability that changes a lot you know I think the market changes a uh-huh. lot so you can't you don't want to write too much just in terms of you know I, you can't like construct a script like big action tent piece but with some or like whatever you can't like put that together in a way right. that is just saleable because it's changes so much but i think um i think it's just sort of the especially on the feature side i would say it's the size and scope of the script and is mm-hmm. what people should consider you know like if you're writing a script that's just um two people talking to each other the entire time right like that could be amazing mm-hmm. and that could definitely get you rep but that's right. probably not a script that like, I don't know, like Universal will buy, right? Because that's right. probably um, a tiny, tiny movie, right? So mm-hmm. so I think in terms of saleability, like that's something you can think about. Um, but I, I really think people should write what they're passionate about. Because it's also, if you mm-hmm. only care about making movies um, about two people who talk to each other the entire time, that's right. every single movie you want to make, like that's great. You can make that movie, yeah. right? It doesn't have to be for Universal. Obviously it won't be, yeah. but um but, you know, you can find people who will give you money to make that script. So if that's yeah. your passion, then, then go with that. But also know that, you know, that's not a movie that will, you know, yeah, like sell to a huge right. studio or, or anything of that right, sort. Right. Yeah. Makes sense. All right. So we've talked a lot about what writers can get out of you today. So I want to like pivot a little bit here at the end. Um, so say someone listening to this has just signed with an agent or a manager. And this is honestly like reading this question now, it's going to be a little bit similar to the one we <laughs> I asked at the beginning. But um, what are some things they can do to make sure that they have a great working relationship with you. So like, what is your ideal client? Like kind of summing up everything you're talking about. I would say, I, you know, it's funny when I was insistent, I was like, I know which clients are great because they send me Christmas presents. (laughs) (laughs) And I would say not to put, not that you have to look, especially when you're a young writer, you don't have the money to send everyone presents, especially your reps assistants. But I think, acknowledging and having gratitude for people who are you know mm-hmm. working on your behalf every single day that's amazing and that trickles down to the assistants who do so much work you know and are very underappreciated and I think mm-hmm. 
also for writers, you know, the writer, our agents and managers, assistants are future reps of the next day and they all talk to each other. Mm -hmm. And if they're not future reps, they're future execs or they're future writers. Right. right? And so it's, it's a very small industry and everyone really has long memories. Right. And I think, (laughs) um, and I think like, I remember the clients who told me thank you or the clients who sent me cards or the clients who did the get me presents right because mm-hmm. uh, that's just an indication that you have gratitude for people in your life right so i think right. the number one way to be a good client is to just show appreciation when when merited you know obviously you know you don't have to say thank you every day but like i think right. you know acknowledging the work that other people have done on your behalf that's that's always extremely appreciated whether it's just an email or text or you know mm-hmm. over the phone um but I would say, you know, having gratitude is always number one. And I would say the other thing you can do is just just be responsive. You know, I, I think mm-hmm. clients, you really have to chase down and sort of you have to call eight times to get a hold of them. Like that is, right. um, <laughs> you know, like that that's just makes it yeah. hard for everyone. But I yeah. think, you know, just being present and responsive. Um, and, and yeah, the other stuff I said earlier, continuing to write, continuing to generate ideas. Um, you know, all of that's really good. But I think um, mm-hmm. to be a good client, you just have to like be a good person. And also, you right. know. Um, yeah. And like I said, be very, yeah, just be responsive and, and, you know, I think, um, be engaged. Like that's mm-hmm. sort of the juts of it. And also I would say if you're a client, you know, like you can all, you can always call your reps and if, if you, there's a good relationship there, like you shouldn't be afraid to call them either or to send them an mm-hmm. email first. You know, I think sometimes when writers are, are younger or, or just starting that relationship, they're like, they always feel like they have to wait for the reps to call them, you know, or sort of, right. you know, let them take the lead on that. But I think a really good relationship goes both ways. You know, you should always mm-hmm. feel like you can pick up the phone and, and talk to your reps. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so, yeah, so I think just having the relationship really be a two way street in all senses, um, you know, nice. that's sort of how you be a good client. Right. So treating people like people. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yes. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Yes, exactly. <laughs> you know, yeah, I didn't need to say all that. That was a great summary. So, yeah. <laughs> All right. So um, this is a screenwriting podcast, but uh, before we go, I wanted to ask kind of for people who want to be a manager, what do you think they should be doing right now to put themselves in the best position to shine later on? Yeah, no, that's a great question. Um, I think, you know, obviously be an assistant first, uh, whether it be a name mm-hmm. to your management company, whatever you, um, your, your path you choose. Um, even you can obviously start a management company. I think you get obviously a lot mm-hmm. of great exposure as an assistant there. And if you want to be a manager, obviously uh, most people promote internally. Um, but I, mm-hmm. um, when I started an agency, I think that gave me a really good bird's eye view of, of the industry, you know, so mm-hmm. I definitely um, encourage that for, you know, anybody wanting to work in representation, no matter mm-hmm. what aspect of it it is but yeah i think it's all about the hustle really you know and it's mm-hmm. it's about going above and beyond and i think it's about doing your day job well and being a really good assistant but it's also about mm-hmm. taking um the time out of your day to do other things and it's a lot a lot of work but it's you know it's reading scripts late at night making sure you're mm-hmm. reading every weekend reading your boss's clients scripts um you know reading scripts on your own of um you know people who won competitions or you know going to showcases for talent right and it's and you know yeah. obviously it's a little harder to do some of those things now that we're in covid times but i think right. in you know in normal times yeah it's a lot of uh or networking you know outside of work mm-hmm. hours it's just constantly sort of hustling for the job 
And um, I think the way to be promoted is you just kind of do the job already, you know, and, and hopefully right. you have amazing people <laughs> and mentors above you who acknowledge that and see you're ready for that mm-hmm. step. But you sort of just have to prove that you're capable of doing the job, you know, so whether it's gotcha. discovering new talent, if not for you, then for somebody else at the company, right, mm-hmm. or, you know, volunteering to help give notes on a client script or you know, covering your own projects and, and trying to get projects in for other people's clients. I think um, mm-hmm. all those things show that you're capable of doing the job and that's sort of what can get you to that next step. And, and like I said, I think it's a lot, a lot of work. And so ultimately, um, you know, passion wins out, right? That's what I said at the beginning. Right. It's, it's hard to keep going in the industry if you're not really mm-hmm. sort of dedicated to it because, um, yeah. you know, I mean, I feel like the whole time I was assistant and my life just revolved around work, right? And that's not right. what everyone wants to do, which is totally, totally yeah. understandable. So, um, so yeah, so I think it's just, but if you're not doing it, somebody else is, right? And I think that's what, kind right. of what it comes down to. Yeah, there's a quote that haunts me that just says, like, I don't even know who it is, who, who said it, but it's like, there's always someone working fa- harder than you. Um, or whenever you take yes. a break, there's always someone who isn't. Um, yeah. And, and, and it's important to, yeah. you know, balance your mental health and, and right, you know, of course. take the yes. time you need. And, and I a hundred percent, you know, would tell yeah. everyone to get that under order and, and make sure, yeah. you know, you're feeling, you know, mentally healthy. Uh, but yes, I, I do think, you know, yeah. that's the tricky balance too, is sort of preserving yourself and your sanity while also you right. know trying to get ahead. Yeah. Yeah. I think, and definitely, I do think there is also a lot of diminishing returns on the, like making sure to take breaks thing. Like if mm-hmm. you jump, work especially writing i don't know about re i feel like reading scripts is similar um, i don't know about other kind of things uh that you guys do like other like networking and stuff you might be able to do that uh a lot but i feel like with writing at least like there is so much of a law of diminishing returns if i try to write for more than like two hours unless i'm like really in like a really good flow like flow state like uh it's gonna suck yeah no <laughs> I, I, I totally agree like, yeah so I think you no, have to kind of look I, at taking breaks as part of your work. It is to keep yes. you fresh. I totally yeah. agree. And I think it's also um, on this end, it's sort of like knowing when you're at your most productive, right? Knowing mm-hmm. that you can do the extra work. And like, I'm a much better morning reader than night reader, right? So like right. knowing that about myself, um, you know, I obviously try to set aside more time in the morning. And then it, mm-hmm. if I'm falling asleep and it's 11 p.m. I'm not going to force myself to try to read something because probably right. um, that does a disservice to whoever script I'm reading, you know, so. Right, yeah, yeah, for sure. All right, before I ask my last question, where can people find you online? And I always like to add this little curveball. If people reach out, what is one surefire way to make sure they get a response from you? And what's one surefire way to make sure you delete their message immediately? Yeah, I think my only public profile is my Twitter, which is just, I tweet about things that are related mm-hmm. to film and tv that i like it's usually just me retweeting other people who do amazing stuff uh, which is just mm-hmm. at quincy lee um and then there's not a surefire way to get a response and, and i will say you don't send me unsolicited material via <laughs> social media because that definitely i guess in terms of what gets it right. deleted, um that's definitely the way to do it um i would oh, say surefire cool. way to get a response is probably people who i've lost in touch with who are trying to reconnect mm-hmm. i love you know obviously we interact with so many people and, and I lose track of people and I, I always love you know catching up with people and seeing what people are up to yeah. um or if someone kind of does it in a no pressure way you might get a response right but mm-hmm. um but yeah I would say if you truly want to get a response from me it's probably easier to know somebody who knows me and <laughs> and uh and to you know reach out that way but right. I, I genuinely I love meeting new people and I love um 
hearing from more people who want to work in the industry. Um, I'd say, especially if you're Asian American, you can probably get a response out of me because I, I mm-hmm. just need more homies in this business and I want to see more Asian people, you know, thrive in this business. Um, but, but yeah. And then, and I was trying to say, you know, if you, if you don't get a response, it's, it's nothing personal. I also just, you know, I, again, sometimes I think it's the legalities of it and sometimes, right. um, you know, there are just better ways to reach out. So yeah. Right. Sweet. All right. All right. My, my last question, this is my screenwriter survival tip. So what would you say is the number one thing to tell a young screenwriter to help them not only survive, but thrive in this industry? Mm. Oh gosh. Number one tip. Okay. It's a lot of pressure on one tip. Um, <laughs> I would say, you know, actually, okay. I have a good one. I think the most important thing you can do to survive, survive in this industry is surround yourself with people who have faith in you and who champion you Mm. and who can also sort of be there when you're not feeling great about yourself right and I think that's not just doesn't just apply to writers I think that applies to everybody who works in the industry but I would say Mm -hmm. um you know for writers it's always always so um especially feature writers where you're writing by yourself a lot of times right like Mm -hmm. having a community, you know, to, to believe in you beyond what, you know, and, and hopefully mm-hmm. in addition to you believing in yourself and having people to really um, help push you forward and, and get you through the hard times. You know, I think right. recently I realized like this industry is honestly just always a roller coaster. You know, you're never mm-hmm. always riding a high, you're never always at a low. And I think the highs of this industry are beyond any other industry and I think the lows are pretty bad right and having people who can sort of keep you going through the lows and then also keep you grounded when you're at the highs Mm -hmm. um that is how you get through it and maintain a good head on your shoulders and and keep going you know is having the network and the community and and like we said this industry is so relationship based sometimes for the worse sometimes for the better but I think this is a good example of of um, just the power and, and the goodness of the industry is, is having people sort of unselfishly be there to, to guide you to through the next step. That sounds like really good advice. Um, guys, this was so amazing. I've all, I knew from the beginning of this podcast, I wanted to have a manager and agent on to talk about that side of the industry And this episode has just blown me away. Quincy had so much great advice. And I think if you really apply what she said into your search for representation, and not even that, once you have representation into your career, you'll be well on your way to having a very successful career in this industry. Don't don't forget to tune in next week, guys. And until then, don't just survive, thrive. Hey, guys, before we go, I have a quick ask. If you found anything on this show valuable... I would really appreciate it if you would go to Apple Podcasts, go to Stitcher, go to wherever you listen, and give us a quick rate and review. It doesn't have to be anything long. It doesn't have to be anything super in-depth, but that is just the best way to help grow this community. If you think other screenwriters would benefit from hearing this, a rate and review is the best way to make sure our podcast is seen by as many screenwriters as possible. Thank you guys so much, and until next time, don't just survive, thrive. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. If you like what you heard, don't forget to subscribe and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you find your podcasts. If you have questions about this episode, you can reach out on Twitter or Instagram. We're at SSGpod. And I'm on Instagram at Sam Brooks Presents. 
And don't forget to tune in next time to the Screenwriter Survival Guide.